Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your one of your co-hosts, Chad Dotson. Our uh, other distinguished co-host today, Bill Lack. Good to talk to you again, Bill. Distinguished. It kind of reminds me of that Three Stooges joke when they go, gentlemen, and they all three turn around and look behind them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you're distinguished when you're in the company of me, I guess. So it may not, that may not be a compliment. It, it always is a company you keep. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, uh, we had been, we've been trying to get this uh, podcast scheduled for a couple of days, and it's been entirely my fault that we've not been able to do it because uh, the season has started, and we've got plenty to talk about. Um, and we'll just go ahead and say, because it's going to uh, sort of have uh, a little bit of bearing on what we discussed early on. We're recording this during the Thursday game, which was supposed to be a noon start and had about a 400-hour rain delay for the second straight day. And, uh, and that game's still going on. It's in the top of the eighth now. Reds are down 7-6 to six at the moment. Uh, it was even worse until Todd Frazier uh, hit a three-run homer to bring him back a little bit. His second one of the day. Second one of the day, uh, which if, if he can slug this year, that, that really, really helps the uh, expectations of the offense. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, uh, during the rain delay down at the ballpark today, they were giving away free arc rides. Oh really? Well, that's must be a movie tie-in. Must be some movie or something. Yeah, they, Russell Crowe was you know waving people on. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, something that we were, we were planning on talking about anyway, we, and we want to talk about what's happened here in the first uh, three games of the season. We'll get into what we expect to happen the rest of the year, but uh, something today in the game is really you know, so we plan on talking about the the bullpen anyway, in the context of some injuries the Reds have had. But some things I've seen here in the first two or three days give me real reason for concern. And you and I talked about it a little bit off the air. If you want to just sort of dig right into that one. Uh, are you con- as concerned as I am about uh, what we're seeing out of that bullpen? Well, I- I'm concerned that, that, that Brian Price seems to be doing his best Dusty Baker impression. Don't say that. Never, never say that again on this podcast. You know, and I hate saying that after, you know, when we're three days here, two-plus games into the season. But – when he said he wasn't going to assign roles, uh, he wasn't kidding. I mean, because we're seeing Logan on Drusick. I mean, I and I understand with injuries, everybody's gotten pushed up the totem pole. You know, we all understand that. But we've yet to see Sam LeCure, and we've seen Logan on Drusick twice. I, and in, in, in both times in one run in games that were one run games at the time. Um, yeah. And and the thing today in the game today when he left Bell out there after he walked twice. And he went inches from giving up a three-run dinger to Holiday, and then Andrusa came in and threw a little bit more gas on the fire. You know, gave up a couple couple of runs. Uh, I, I I can't figure out the logic of it, the usage of the bullpen. You know, and now he's got at last check he had Parch in there. You know, and I know he's got to you know he's got to get innings out of these guys, but I don't know the Andrusic thing. I, I don't understand. Well, I, I'm not ready to uh, throw in the towel on Brian Price, and you're not either. I'm not suggesting that you are. Oh God, no! Certainly. Um, Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> well, you'll give him at least the first four games, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let him go as long as we let Tony Perez go. You know. There you go. We'll give him at least that. Um, no, you know, I, I have some sympathy for the situation that Price finds himself in, which is that he doesn't have a bullpen uh, with with Sean Marshall and, and uh, Aroldis Chapman and. Jonathan Broxton, even whatever you think of Jonathan Broxton, but those guys hurt. You, you got a really tough uh, de- decision to make if you're Brian Price. Who do I bring in? I mean, his first reliever in today after Homer Bailey couldn't make it through five innings was Nick Cristiani, who you know I don't have a whole lot of uh, very high opinion of Cristiani. Came in, did very well today, pitched uh, inning and two thirds uh, fairly effectively. But then you know he's got to go to guys like uh, Trevor Bell, who uh, hasn't pitched in the big leagues in like a hundred years. Exactly. You got Trevor Bell. You've got uh, Logan Andrusek next. Curtis Parch. Uh, now I agree with you. Where's Sam Lecure? Uh, that's the guy that should be getting the most high leverage innings out of this bullpen right now. Yeah, that that that, that would be my biggest question to, to Brian Price is you know what what are we holding? Are they holding Lecure back for the eighth and ninth? Maybe I guess you know. But you still got Hoover. You know he pitched Monday or I guess he got the win last night. Yeah, and maybe maybe that you know they don't want to go twice within you know twelve hours or whatever the heck it would be. Um, and, and Hoover got a little bit overworked early last year, and there's no reason to do that again. Tremendously overworked early last year. So I guess my my feeling is you've got Hoover who may or may not be available today, and you've got uh, Sam Lecure, and, and after those two, 
frankly, I don't trust anyone else out there. Uh, you know, if my choices are between Nick Cristiani, Trevor Bell, and Curtis Parch, and uh, Logan Andrusek, I might go Andres Drusek too if, if, I, if I have some specific reason why I don't feel comfortable at that particular moment using Lecure or Hoover. Now, I'd like to know what uh, Brian Price's uh, reasons are for that because clearly Lecure and Hoover are head and shoulders above any of those other guys. But without Marshall and Chapman and Broxton, this bullpen all of a sudden looks not just bad, but horrifically bad, frankly. Well, and you're, I mean, we're just talking about guys from the right side, you know, because Paris pitched in two games already. And it's very apparent, even though he said he wasn't going to do matchups, that he seems to be doing matchups with Parra. Um, and Parra pitched well yesterday. Parra, I, I, while I didn't really buy into him last year in the spring training, other than two about about a two week period at the end of May where he got hammered, he was pretty daggone effective all last year. I thought I heard the other day that from June first to the end of the year, his ERA was under two. Now, yeah, Parra, I mean, Parra was good. Yeah, um, but he's the only left-hander in the bullpen, so yeah. he's he's going to get a lot of work, you know, right. until until Chapman gets back. Uh, my opinion of Cristiani's probably a little higher. It sounds like it's a little higher than yours. Um, I mean, I don't think the guy's a, a you know a, 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 a closer and waiting, but I think he can be an effective major league pitcher. Um, that's more than I can say for Parch. That's more than I can say for Bell. I you know, but. You know, and, and Chris Welsh was just talking about this on television before we signed on. Is these guys are in a competition amongst themselves because, you know, we're going to get Latos back in a cup in, in a week or so, and that means Simon comes back to the bullpen, which means somebody's going to go. You know, and then shortly after that, Broxton's back, and then somebody else is going to go. You know, so these guys are, are competing to see who's going to stay and get that major league meal money for a few more days. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cause they're, they're, and with Chapman's going to be out a little bit longer. Uh, Marshall, who knows if he'll ever come back. So there are going to be some roster spots for uh, one or two of these guys, not long-term, but uh, I guess uh, not certainly not short-term either. So you're right, there's a competition there. And you hope that brings out the best in people. It certainly didn't bring out the best in Trevor Bell today. Cristiani's been okay. Uh, Andrusek, you know, I don't know why the organization is so so high on on Logan Andrusik. I've never understood that. Well, I mean, you know, it's no. He got another one of those patented Reds two year deals too. Yeah, he doesn't strike people out. He walks too many. He's just he, he plays with fire every time he's in. Today, one inning, uh, two hits, and a walk. Um, I, I I don't get it. again. Andrusik's the type of guy that uh, maybe uh, Cristiani, sort of a middle inning guy. Maybe you could handle him if he's the one of the uh, last guys you you'd yeah. bring in. I guess I'm talking about uh, a, you know like, you know your fifth or your sixth guy out of your bullpen, maybe your seventh guy out of your bullpen. You know your mop up guy. I you know I think he could do a job in the big leagues. I, you know, I don't think he'd have to back up for his paycheck. Um, you know the other thing that that that's, that was in the media today and the in the paper today in Cincinnati is is. Price had said that until ch- earlier that until Chapman got back, it was going to be a bullpen by committee. And now today, you know, as they're starting to talk about Broxton being back in the next week or, pardon me, in the next week or so, now it's 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 bullpen by committee until Broxton gets back, which sounds like he'll be and and he said he'll be the guy who hold down the fort until Chapman comes back. You know, I don't know what Jonathan Broxton has done as a Cincinnati Red. To hand him that ball, other than be injured. Well, Broxton is still living off uh, the uh, his fame of being the Dodger, John yeah. Broxton, when he was a dominant closer. Yeah, wasn't Wes Parker the first baseman at the Dodgers then? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, he's he's living on past glory, and I'm not sure why the Reds would just hand it to him. I think he's a guy that can be an effective member of the bullpen. Oh, absolutely. But, but I don't, I don't see any reason to prefer him over J.J. Hoover, for example, to close out games. I, I mean, and I think the numbers bear me out on that. Hoover strikes out more guys. Uh, he, I, I'll give, give the ball to Hoover. I'm, I'm more comfortable with him. And that's not to say that Broxton can't help this bullpen. But I, I'm with you. I don't understand why it's just sort of an automatic that Broxton's that guy. Right. There's an assumption made by the organization that, that he should be the closer when, when he comes off the DL. Now, now, listening to the game on the way home from work today, as they were just getting started and they were talking about this a little bit, 
they, they, you know, uh, Brantley and Marty were, and, and C. Trent were talking about, they think that they'll want to see him in major league game situations before they put him in a ninth inning closing situation. And I hope that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see what he's got. You know, he's only pitched really against minor leaguers uh, at this point. So. Right. I don't expect a lot from Broxton. And so it might. I guess I'm not going to be disappointed in whatever he provides, but hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised. And, and I and I don't think he's pitched back to back days yet. Right. Yeah. 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 Is he ready? He's not ready. I don't think there's anybody that would believe he's ready right now to come in, and be a major league closer. So well, that was the other thing I was going to I was going to tell you that in the paper today as they were doing you know the injuries and when they expect people back and wait a minute the paper. It was in the inquiry. Well, yeah, I, I actually, I, and I read the print edition. You know, I, I'm, old, I'm old school, man. You're going to have to describe to us. I, I've never heard of this paper. <laughs> but they said Sean Marshall would be back between the 18th and the 21st of April. And I told yeah. that to a guy that works for me. And he said, what year? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he's, on, he's on the Nick Massett disabled list plan. Um, yeah. And in my notes where I talked about this, next to it I put, right. <laughs> yeah. And that was a sar- that was a sarcastic right. I held up the sarcasm sign as I said that. Like from uh from Ball 4, Jim Bouton's Ball 4. Yeah. Right. right. You know. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Right. I-, I hate that. Let's talk about Marshall for just a moment. Because it seems like I talk about this every podcast, but it just really breaks my heart. Uh, I-, I don't know that I'm not kind of ever seen Sean Marshall be Sean Marshall again, which is really Really stinks because that guy can pitch. He's healthy. That guy is. He's just got as good a stuff as anybody on this uh, on this snap. Um, but you know, shoulder issues. Not many guys come back from shoulder issues. But well, you know, you and Joel talked about this a little bit last week. And and you know, you guys said, well, you know, he, he'll probably never be the pitcher he was. And, and, and you know, he was healthy till he came to the Reds. So I don't see any reason to believe he can't be the pitcher he was. Now, I do have questions about a guy that has tendonitis in his shoulder, you know, and six months later that he's still got tendonitis or whatever weakness or whatever it is in his shoulder. But I, I blame that as much on the Reds' medical staff and, and the witch doctors that they've got down there as I do anything else. Well, it could be. I don't know enough uh, medicine. Uh, I flunked out of medical school. I don't know enough medicine to say one way or the other. Uh, on that, although you're right, he comes to the Reds and he, they can't get him healthy. And I don't know why he can't get a guy healthy after this amount of time. But just the number of guys, though, that come back from, from shoulder injuries, very, very low number. It just that pitchers don't usually return when you start seeing uh, chronic shoulder problems. So that's why I'm concerned about whether or not we'll ever see Marshall back. I, I think it's foolhardy to, to depend on him being a valuable member of this bullpen. If he comes back and he can pitch, Wow, I mean that's a huge upgrade. Uh, you talk about putting him in the bullpen instead of a, a Trevor Bell um, or a Curtis Parch. I mean I like Curtis Parch's uh, red hair as much as anyone, but give me Sean Marshall. But I just I, I'm not going to hold my breath waiting waiting yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, starting pitching though, so far uh, Homer Bailey had a rough one today. Although I expect Homer to be fine this year, but until uh, in the first two games, Johnny Cueto, very good. Tony Singrani. This guy, you know, 19 straight starts now in his career where he's not given up more than five hits in any start, which is a, an all-time record. Uh, now, of course, it's, you're comparing him to some guys that went eight, nine innings every start back in the earlier part of last century. But still, uh, that's an outstanding uh, beginning to his career, and he just he looked dominant yesterday. Watching him versus uh, Michael Waka, a couple of young studs. Uh, Sid Grani, this guy. Is there any reason to be anything other than just uh, in love with what Tony Singrani brings? I, I love this guy, but he, you continue to hear people go, well, all he does is throw fastballs. You know, he doesn't have a second or third pitch. He doesn't have a And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, Mario Soto made a lot of money for a lot of years throwing two pitches. Exactly. Fastball in that circle change. You know, and and you know, and they said Singrani worked on a third pitch in, in, you know, in spring training and, you know, he's working on it and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? The kid's doing pretty daggone well. I don't think we ought to knock the product that we have. Yeah, it's not like it's his first time through the league still, number right. one. Yep. Number two, take a look at his uh, whiff rate, the number of swinging, swinging strikes he gets against that fastball. He's able to get that fastball. It's got some kind of funky movement, evidently, or he, or he disguises it well. I don't, know what, I don't know what the answer is on that one. But people are swinging and missing at it. I, I, 
you know, can he be effective his whole career throwing 83% uh, fastballs? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about pitching to say. But I know that up to now, he's really uh, performing well against the best hitters in the world doing just that. And uh, if, if, you know, he was getting lucky, if some of the, some of the peripheral stats show that he was getting lucky, something like that, I might have a little bit more concern. But he's, he's, he's making people swing and miss. This guy's the real deal. This guy is uh, probably the fourth starter for this team. And uh, there were years when this guy would have been the runaway ace of the Reds. Uh, and so, so the fact that he continues to develop. Uh, one of the things I've been saying is for the Reds to really be competitive this year, that starting rotation has to be A, healthy, and they all have to perform like they can perform. If Tony Cibrani performs uh, like this, he's not going to be as busy as he was yesterday all year, but if he performs like we think Tony Cibrani can, all of a sudden this looks like a really one of the best rotations in baseball. And given the fact the offense is likely to struggle a little bit, uh, that makes me very happy indeed, I guess is the way I'll put it. Well, and, and let's remember who Singrani was pitching against last night. You know, that wasn't, you know, the, the Marlins or the Mets or, 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 or the Astros. I mean, that's a, that was a pretty good offensive team he was throwing against last night. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, well, Michael Walker's performance wasn't nearly as impressive uh, in comparison because he was pitching against the Reds' offense. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I'm not ready to give up on the Reds' offense yet, but uh, tell me when it's time to start being concerned about Billy Hamilton. Well, not yet. I mean, let's be patient. He's 0 for 12 with six strikeouts. Well, that's six times, though, that he's batted that he did not strike out. <laughs> And, 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 and I'm not, I mean, I'm not making fun of the kid. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving up on him. But right now, he looks way overmatched. I'm wondering, uh, if, if I were Brian Price, he'd have a day off tomorrow just to try to get his head, you know. He or, looks nervous. He looks like he's pressing, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And, and if, and, you know, and, and, like I said, I, I'm not a major league manager. I never even played one on television. But, but. I you know if nothing else if I you know like he gave Heisey a start today I might have I might have let off with Heisey and pushed Billy down in any order just to try to take a little pressure off of him I, yeah he just he just really now I will say after two games he had I mean his numbers were terrible but he had at least looked at thirty two you know he had take had been up there for thirty two pitches which is the same as Joey Votto he did draw a walk today you know oh did he. He did just do a little while ago. I missed that. So um, that's a good sign, you know. And I and I hope that you know he's not going to have to be sent back down to kind of get his legs under him. You know, I hope he and and and, and please. You know, and I know we're going to hear about you know. Oh my God, it's three games in and you're throwing a guy under the bus. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying right now he he really looks overmatched and and I think they need to do something to try to give the kid a, a, an opportunity to. To take a deep breath, you know. Well, opening day is tough enough in Cincinnati, but when you're a rookie phenom that's supposed to steal a million bases, you know, and and you're leading off for the home for the Cincinnati Reds at home on opening day, you're replacing a guy that, you know, that last year got on base number two in the league. It's it's big shoes to fill. It is, and, it, and it's not surprising that the kid is a little a little strung out. You know, he's he's only twenty three years old. He's, you know, I think he'll be fine, but I don't know how quickly he'll be fine, and that that's the thing. It's a tough spot for the kid, yes, and I don't I don't think anyone's going to really uh, jump on us for throwing the kid under the bus because if anyone in uh, amongst uh, the writes or talks about the Reds has urged the Reds fan base to be patient with young players. It's you and I. I mean, we've, been, yeah. we've been at this for years. That's one of our running things here. Um, young players struggle. They struggle. You've got to be patient with them. You can't expect them to have it figured out from day one. Uh, Homer Bailey, Jay Bruce, I mean, uh, everyone, you know. And and I'm not all that optimistic about Billy Hamilton anyway. I, you know, I think he's he's got a chance to be a decent major leaguer. Um, I, I'm not sure that I see what everyone else has seen. I don't think I would have started him. I would have tried really hard to find another center fielder to start the year. I would have started him in Triple A this year. But I understand the situation the Reds are in, and I think that he can develop into a, a, a you know a, a major leader that can really contributes to the Reds. Um, as Todd Frazier flies out, and the Reds lose uh, two out of the first three to St. Louis. Uh, when they really started off three to nothing today, they could have 
could have won two out of three. All right, anyway. You question uh, the handling of the bullpen today. Yeah, yeah. So, and that'll be something we'll be watching in the long term. We're trying That's to learn. True. Trying to learn Brian Price's tendencies. Mm -hmm. But back to Hamilton. Everyone really needs to be patient with this kid. He, he, look, he does look off right now. I agree he needs a day off. Uh, Brian Price needs to uh, needs to get high in the center field. Let, let him sit for a little bit. And, and also let him understand, hey, listen, Billy, you're our guy. You know, you don't have to press. You're not, you know, you're not gonna be fighting for your job. If we get to June and he's hitting, you know, 198 or something. Maybe then. But I think the kid needs to relax a little bit and, and understand that he, there are ways that he can help this team. And he doesn't have to be Shinsu Chu from day one in the big leagues. Now, and uh, hopefully he can uh, he can sort of chill out a little bit and uh, and perform a little better because he ha he has he's looked overmatched. He's really. He needs to be batting eighth, frankly, right now. If you ask my opinion, yeah, he, I'd he, he, he's really, really pressing. I mean, he's—I think he—and—and and I don't know whether having the really good spring training was helpful or, or hindrance, you know, because he probably came in, you know, thinking maybe he had some things figured out, and then he gets up here and he, you know, and he sees some pretty good pitching in his first series, and, and he just looks completely overmatched at the plate right now, uh, you know. And, and I'm kind of with you. I'm not completely convinced in the long run that he's going to be a, a, a real great big league player because I just think – I don't know that offensively he's going to be able to get on base enough to take advantage of his skills. And his skills are ones that aren't going to age well. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope the kids, the, the next whatever, Ricky Henderson, Tim Raines, you know, oh, yeah. whatever, you know uh, – and, you know, I think you, you, you did note something. Like we were only three games in. He, he is seeing a lot of pitches. He's uh, – maybe the Joey Votto influence will help him out a little bit. Because if he can walk – if he can uh, walk at a decent clip, you know, uh, his on-base percentage doesn't need to be 430 for him to help this team. Right. So – Now, Mar Marty did say on the radio today, though, that it seems to Marty that, that he's taking a lot of strikes – uh, he said, "You know, it's all well and good to see a lot of pitches." He said, "But and, and right after that, he took a called third strike, and I and I and I seem to remember two or three of his at least two or three of his strikeouts have been called third strikes. So I haven't, and like I said, I didn't see the game last night, so I, I can't speak the last night. But I saw most of today and most and most of opening day, and, and he does seem to be, you know, pressing at the plate. He's swinging at bad pitches and taking some good ones, and that's what happens when you're struggling. It is. It is." And, uh, you know, Joey Votto has a, an idea of what he's doing up there. He has an approach. He wants to find a pitch he can handle. He's not up there just taking pitches just to be taking pitches. So, and I don't, I don't know about, uh, about Hamilton. Uh, I do know this. It's the worst-case scenario for him to start off slowly because this fan base, I think back to Drew Stubbs, and he's a, sort of a different type of player, but he's a guy that was fast and played good defensive center field and couldn't get on base. And Reds fans turned on him. I mean, they turned on him fairly quickly. And I'm, I'm concerned that Reds fans are going to turn on Hamilton quickly when when they're premature doing that. And, and here's what I I dread hearing it, but I can just envision May the 7th or so, uh, Marty Brenneman saying, uh, you know, watching him take strike three, and Marty Brenneman saying, you know, I'm just not sure this kid's ever going to get it. And then the talk radio callers are going to be calling in, and that's going to be it for, for Hamilton. I don't, I don't want to see him have to go through what Homer Bailey went through and what, what Jay Bruce went through. And you know, it's funny. I can remember, I can remember where I was driving my car when I heard Marty Brenneman say that about Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto. That's who I'm referring to. Absolutely, he completely I can, had given up on Johnny Cueto. I can absolutely tell you where I was driving my car, where I was when I heard him say that on the radio. And that, that's become a running gag a little bit with us. Yeah. But but it's emblematic of the fact that you, Joe Finn cannot give up on these young guys so quickly. And, and I don't expect Hamilton to be a superstar. I hope he is. Gosh, I mean, I hope he is. Uh, but I'm also not going to give up on him this early. He does have some talents. He does have some tools. Um, and I'm not going to proclaim at any point this year that he's never going to get it. Nope. So let, right. let, let's, flip, let's flip the coin and let's talk about how Todd Frazier started. Well, that's a key, in my opinion, to – we've talked about this Reds offense and, and how – at least I'm concerned about how they can do. Todd Frazier, hey, uh, he has started off well, two home runs today. Um, you know, you can't ask for a whole lot. Uh, 455 batting average, 
OPS of uh, over 1,500. If he has an OPS over 1,500 at the end of the season, the Reds are going to make the playoffs. There's my prediction for him. <laughs> I'll go along with him. I'll double down on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it, he is a key in my opinion. Do you agree with that? He's, he's a key. If he can be an above-average hitter, it really changes the look of this offense a little bit because you've got uh, Bruce and Votto that are going to contribute. If you can get Frazier hitting, uh, it, it, in my opinion, it changes things. He and, well, you know, we did our, some of us did 100 words things on the blog of what, you know, and, and, and rather than predictions, I kind of did, uh, you know, what I thought were the keys. And one of my keys was the, the, the OPS plus or war of, of Frazier and Mazzarocco, because I think they're the two wild cards in the lineup that you don't know what you're going to get. And, and if one of those, you know, performs really well, this team's going to do real well. And if both of them play really well, this team could be an offensive factor. You know, they they, they could. I mean, they finished what third in the, in the league and run scored last year, I think. Somehow, yes. And, and and they could they could they could do better than that if if they get productive years out of Mazzarocco and Frazier. Uh, you know, Frazier was a about a three and a half win player by wins above replacement last year. If he can get in the neighborhood of four four and a half wins. Um, and he could, I mean, you know, it's possible. But even if he's a four-win player, all of a sudden, I start to change what I'm thinking. If Devin Miserocco could be a, you know, a three-win player, two or three-win player. If we can get a two-win player out of Devin this year, two or two and a half, I'll be entirely satisfied. Absolutely. And and, and listen, all of a sudden, this team does. I, I sound like Tom. I've said all of a sudden 16 times. I sound like Tom Brennan. Um, all of a sudden, the Reds are looking like an offensive team. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, – so these other guys, you sort of know what you're going to get. Cozart's not going to hit. Uh, left field is a huge question mark, and I'm not counting on really any production out of left field. I think, it, but I think it'll be better than last year. Well, yeah, it can't be worse. And, and well, it it'd be, be hard pressed to be worse. And if it's better, then it's an improvement. And and, and our, our our third host, who's not with us this time, will be with us next week. Uh, Joel Luckup. Um, he thinks that he's convinced me. There are, there's reason to be optimistic about Brandon Phillips having a little bit of a bounce back year in terms of his uh, being injured last year. So you think about Phillips improving. You think about Mesoraco improving at the plate of what we got out of catcher last year. You think about Frazier improving, even if just a little bit over last year. And uh, getting more production out of left field. You know, this team, why can't this? And, and Joey Votto. I don't think there's any reason not to believe that Joey Votto might not have a better year than he had last year. Well, I think, I think another one of the – before I go to Votto, I want, I want to say one thing. Another key to me is seeing if Price is married to Ryan Ludwig in left field. If he's just convinced that that's the answer. Because, you know, if Chris Heisey plays well, I'm curious to see if he can play himself into more playing time in left field. I I don't think there was any way when Ludwig was healthy, and I know he wasn't last year, but when he was healthy, that Heisey could take Ludwig's spot. Whether it's money, whether it was he was a veteran, and whether he was an old cardinal, whatever the reason, and I think that's a key is whether Price will will be able to say, you know, Ludwig, and I, you know, I, I hope Ludwig's got something left. I, I I don't believe he does, and I'm hoping that Heisey can carry spring training over, and you know, and it's the first week of the season, we're still allowed to hope, uh, and if he does carry spring training over, I hope that equates to more playing time, but but you never know what the manager's going to see. Well, you've hit on something that I'm really interested in watching. We're talking about learning Brian Price's tendencies. And Dusty Baker had a well-deserved reputation for, in some instances, sticking with a veteran. Um, he didn't always do it. No. But, uh, you know, he he, he did. Uh, he, he would stick with Ludwig here. And I'm not saying that's not necessarily the best uh, choice for the team. Uh, and we're not certainly not here to uh, run down Dusty Baker. But watching how Price handles that situation is going to be interesting. Especially if Heisey starts to hit. You know, Heisey hit great in spring training. You know, it's spring training. What do you, you can't really make anything out of that. But if, if Heisey continues to hit in his opportunities this April and Ludwig struggles, seeing how Brian Price handles that situation is going to be really interesting to me. Because uh, I don't expect Heisey. Heisey will never be an all-star. I think he's sort of a fourth outfielder. But I think that Heisey at his best could, uh, could be an average Major League left fielder, when you put in, include defense. Uh, and I'm not sure that uh, we're going to get any of that out of Ludwig. So, well, I, I think he, the point. I think the point is too that if they're even offensively, if they're you know if, if they believe they're going to be even offensively, then you play Heisey because he's so much better defensively. Much better, much better. 
Uh, and, and I just, I, I don't know that they believe. I think they're hoping, and, I, and in my opinion, I'm afraid, well, I say in my opinion, it is completely my opinion. I'm afraid that they're going to, that it's mostly hope that Ludwig can repeat his uh, 2012 season. And I think that's a, just a, a you go broke but hoping uh, and wishing for that because that's the only good season he's had out of the last five, I guess. And, uh, you know, but who knows? I hope he does. I hope he comes back as, a, as an all-star this year. Please, I'm begging you. Um, but I'm not optimistic on that front. And it sounds like you're not either. No, I'm really not. I wish I were. Um, I think a lot of, I know you and I have talked about, you know, the, the two-year deal, another one of those two-year deals where a guy has a, you know, a, a, and actually he had a good half of season, if I remember right. And, and you know, it got him a two-year deal. And he spent the first year of it on the DL through no fault of his own. I mean, I'm not blaming a guy for getting hurt. But, you know, now this year we're sitting on the last year of a deal and, and they're hoping that he can be the player he was two years ago with no real reason to believe that he can. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, uh, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not going to bet the ranch on Ludwig, but, you know. Anyway, we're going back to those keys we were talking about. We were talking about Votto before. I think another one of the keys for the Reds, for me, is is Joey Votto's slugging percentage. He had at least one double today, maybe two, I can't remember. And he had one yesterday. And if I like seeing Joey driving doubles. When Joey's driving doubles, that slugging percentage is going to come up. Yeah, Votto was three for four today, two runs scored, one double, one walk. I mean, that's, that's classic Votto. Yep. You know, and, and if he's if he's direct, raising that slugging percentage up, we're seeing the 2012-2011 Joey Votto, not the 2013. Yeah, and it's too early to say which one we've got, but right. he's, he's certainly driving the ball early, early in the year, and that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, Another one of those signs that, that there my keys was was the, the, the amount of innings pitch that we get out of Cueto, Latos, and Bailey. Yeah, and, and you said it earlier. They've got to stay healthy, especially those three. Um, to me, the the question is: is is Mike Leake really the player we saw last year? Or is he, you know, or was that his career year? I hope, you know, I hope he's improving. You know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. My opinion is that I'm not sure we can expect a whole lot of improvement out of Leake, but I think he can be that guy for the next two or three years. I hope so. That's a valuable pitcher. If he can be the pitcher he was last year, I'd be thrilled to death. One of the best fifth starters in the majors, if not uh, really. the best. Yeah, right. So absolutely, I agree. I, you know, I'm a I'm a Mike Leake fan. As long as we're not expecting too much out of him. Yep. Um, let's go back to Votto for just a second. Okay. And did you Did you see? Uh, we've talked about Joel a couple times here today. Uh, did you see the article he had? I presume you did in the Inquirer uh, over the weekend. Uh, in fact, I've got it right in front of me. Oh, then we're gonna. Oh, <laughs> did, did I just hear some paper? That's paper, baby. That's paper. Oh. I can't do that with my computer. I can probably find a, uh, an MP3 of that sound, but uh, I, I did. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to bring this up, even if you hadn't, because I thought it was a very, very interesting article that Joel wrote. Uh, a lot of good quotes from Joey. Uh, great stats, you know. Uh, I've got I've got it highlighted here, and about three quarters of the article is highlighted. The biggest thing to me was Joey saying uh, the one quote he says is a. Uh, I'm more than happy to take my base, and there'll be first and second or first and third if I don't get the pitch that I think gives me the chance to do some damage. And then later in the article, he's quoted as saying, I'm going to hand the bat to the guy behind me because I think we can score more runs as a group if I help out and don't expand my strike zone. You know, and Joel talks about a lot of different scenarios here, but they talk about the scenarios that, that, that he goes over, you know, and, and he says in the 39 plate appearances that fit into the parameters of the article, Joey was intentionally walked in 10 of those spots. The remaining 29, 13 came in situations where an out-to-score run gave the Reds a better chance to win than a walk. In those 13 plate appearances, Vada walked three times, though one of those scored a run on a wild pitch. He also made an out and drove in a run five times to go along with a single and a home run. He made three outs that failed to score a run. That's in 13 at-bats, a weak ground out and two strikeouts. In the 16 instances where a walk was more valuable, Votto drove in the run seven times, three times with hits, and walked three times. It just shows that, like, and you said this earlier, Joey goes up there with a plan. Um, I think Joey, I think I read, I did read today, that Joey collected, I think, his 1,000th hit last night. He did, 1,000 and 1,001. And, and, and as you and I have talked about 
many times. I and I said this on Facebook. I think it was today. I don't think people around here realize how blessed we are to be watching this guy who is on a Hall of Fame trajectory at this point. Absolutely. And and and, and I, I really wanted to salute Joel and his article because I thought it was a really good read. It was in Sunday's paper. If anybody hasn't read it, the article, the name of it, is, the uh, the article title is "Votto Plans to Do What's Best," and it's it's well worth your time to read it. It's it's about a two long column. Uh, article and it's worth your time. It is, and I appreciate the inquiry and Joel an opportunity to uh, to write that and get to a little bit of a wider audience, a little bit of a different audience. You know, sometimes we're talking to some guys on the internet that are not everyone, obviously, but a lot are. Uh, I don't want to say more enlightened, but uh, look at the game a little bit differently than than Joe. Than, than the regular than the regular guy sitting next to you at the ballpark. Right, exactly, and, and I think it's important that in some of these mainstream outlets, and I really am really appreciative of our, our, our buddies at the Inquirer um, for, for printing this because uh, Joe Fan's reading it, and this is, yeah. uh, a, 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 I guess, a view of Votto that you're not getting from Marty Brennan. Yeah, if, if, if you see an article in the Inquirer by Joel or, or by John Arardi, chances are it's going to be something that's educational to, to, as you call him, Joe Fan. Uh, right. Something that, you know, it's not going to be home RBIs and, and, and batting averages. It's going to be something a little more in-depth, something a little more enlightening. And, and whenever I read something by either one of these guys, I always learn something because I can always learn something about sabermetrics from these guys. Well, uh, let's not go overboard because i got to talk to Joel here in the next day or two. And I, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to inflate his ego too. That's much. okay. He won't follow me on Twitter, so I don't have any respect for him. Oh mercy! Well, that's <laughs> oh well, we're gonna give him a hard time on that one. Um, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the fact the Inquirer will print something like that. Uh, it's not like if you've never read it yet, it's not like it's some kind of in-depth mathematics-based uh, argument. It's a, it's no. well written and it's 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 uh, it's easy readable, to, easy to digest, absolutely. And but it's making the point that. We've said how many times, which is this, Joey Votto is a professional. He takes his craft hitting very seriously. He knows more about hitting than you do, or than I, uh, and he knows more than I do. And he Why, knows more than Marty Brenneman does. He knows more than Marty Brenneman does. Why would I have the gall to tell Joey Votto how to perform uh, his craft. I mean, he knows what he can do, what he can't do, and I've never seen a player for the Reds who uh, is more open about, I want to maximize my particular talents. There are things that I can do. There are things that I, that I can't do, uh, and, and I want to maximize uh, those things that I can do for the benefit of this club. I'm so, uh, you're right, I feel blessed to be able to watch Joey Votto every day. And, and every time I get to watch him bat, I try to sort of take a second to think, you know, hey, let, let's watch this. Let's enjoy this because this is a guy that, if he doesn't get injured, this is a guy that's a Hall of Famer. And we're getting to watch him every single day. And I don't think that Joe Fan gets that. And, and I'm afraid it's because of Marty and it's because of, let's be honest, Dusty last year who uh, openly criticized uh, or was openly Skeptical of Votto's approach. Walt Jockety has been openly skeptical of Votto's approach to the point, almost to the point of being disdainful. And I think that is just uh, well, I think it's an embarrassment for the organization. Uh, never let it be said that Red Lake Nation Radio wasn't one hundred percent of Joey Votto because I, I love watching this guy, and I think Joey Votto doing what Joey Votto does gives the Reds the best chance to score runs and win games. You know, yep. uh, what are we what are we looking for here? Uh, and, but that's not, and that's not to say that, that Joey never messes up. I mean, opening day, he chopped that little one in the plate in front of the plate and stood there and looked at it. Exactly, and, and we would have killed some players for that. And he needs to get criticized for. Well, it. and and, and I, I have to admit, I said at the time to to my wife, I said, if I was Brian Price, this would have been a chance to show that I'm I'm in charge of this ball club. Because when Joey would have come back to the dugout, I'd have said, Joey, you got to run on that. You know, you can't stand there and look at it. What are you doing? I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. It may have. I hope it did, because I would think it would give Brian Price a chance 
to show, you know, that, that nobody's going to be treated specially. We're, the expectations are going to be the same for everyone. Um, one, of the, one of the stories that went around when Price was hired was about Homer Bailey not covering first once right. and Brian Price meeting him on the top step and saying, that's not how we do things in Cincinnati. So I would not be surprised at all if, uh, if Price... Uh, I hope did. so. Um, yeah, I do too. But uh, yeah. the, the, the Joey Votto fan club is in, is in you know, full sway here in, in, in Red Leg Nation. Um, and, oh, and, and you're talking about uh, Joel's article and, and how it kind of it serves an educational purpose, and I think John Arardi's stuff does the same. And I think, though not quite maybe to the extent, but I think Chris Welsh tries to do it on television also. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Welsh, Chris Welsh understands. Uh, he's a professional broadcaster. Uh, he understands his audience. But he's open-minded, and he's not afraid to dip his toe in those waters to right. try to educate sort yeah. of the masses, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm, we're lucky to have Welsh on our TV broadcasts. Uh, Big big friend of Red Leg Nation, and, and I will say, and I don't know whether Chris has said this in the interviews or whether he said it when he and I were talking before or after, but he said that he has had to pull Joel back, the reins back on Joel on some things that Joel wants to do on a TV broadcast because Chris kind of goes, no, nah, I don't think we're going to go that far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to understand your audience. Absolutely. You can go, you can go, uh, you can go so far, and I think Welsh has been very effective in uh, – I'm glad Joel's trying to push that envelope. Absolutely, and, and I'm glad, glad that Chris is open-minded enough to, you know, allow some of that. And, uh, yeah, so they must have a good working relationship between the two of them. Absolutely, and that's something we uh, at some point in the next few weeks, you, I, and Joel are all going to get together and do one of these podcasts, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit, maybe. That'll um, be a free for all. Yeah, I know exactly. I'm just going to sit back and let you guys uh, talk, and I'll just enjoy it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're right, and, and you know. Uh, See Trent Rosecrans, uh, for better or for worse, he's uh, open-minded about these things, and uh, he's writing in the paper. Even John Fay, who's, who's been very uh, free with his time and been on the podcast several times. Yep. Uh, Faye's not uh, averse to, he's not, I won't say he's a, a sabermetrician, but uh, he's not hostile to it either. So I know. think John is moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, you know, John, I, John is like my age. You know, John and I are pro- probably at the same, around the same age. I think I'm 55. I think John may be a year or so older than I am. Um, so we're late coming to this. We didn't grow up with it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I, you know, in the last few years, I've seen definitely a change in John's writing where he's he's gone to more of the of the you know the sabermetric type of the advanced metrics. Yeah, well, uh, just, just not being hostile to it to me is a victory. Yeah, so and, and, and we can talk about. Yeah, and we know the people that we're talking about that are. Exactly, exactly. So we're lucky to have John, yeah. uh, who's not hostile. We're lucky to have Trent. We're lucky to have Chris Welsh, who will uh, push the envelope a little bit. Um, so, in, in in some senses, in some sense, we're moving in the right direction, I guess, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and, you, you just hope it it inures uh, to the benefit of Joey Votto, who's taking a lot of criticism that's completely unfair in my and unwarranted in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. So hey I like I like hearing you say that. You don't often agree with me. So I like uh, I like when you say that publicly. Let, let me hear that again. Well I'm gonna be traveling in Virginia and I'm afraid I'll get thrown in jail and you know I I am always worried about who, who the judge will be. There you go, you made a friend. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> Never hurts to have a friend in law enforcement. Exactly, exactly. Uh well, let's uh, quickly, I want to talk, well, before we do our predictions for the upcoming season, I just want to dip our toe in those waters, but let's talk about our buddy uh, Tucker Barnhart made his Major League debut today. I was I'm so, pretty excited about that. I yeah. am too. I, he's such start. a good kid. Uh, I sent him a text this morning telling him good luck. I said, take a deep breath, relax, and have fun. And i tell you what, I mean, I, he didn't do anything with the bat, but i tell you what, I thought he looked really good defensively. Threw out a I, runner. uh had some balls in the dirt that he, you know, he kept in front of him. Made a nice uh, force out on the plate on a ball that I thought Frazier threw a little lower than it needed to, and and, and Tucker went down and got it. Now he's a kind of a short guy, so it's easier for him to get down lower. But I, I thought he did real well for his first game, and it's kind of you know, and since he's one of our spotlight guys and he's our first spotlight guy to make the big leagues, I was very excited for him. Very happy, uh, very uh, excited for Tucker, and you're right, he looked like a pro. Uh, from day one behind the plate, but that's his calling card. I mean, this, Absolutely. He's, he can, he's an elite defender. Um, 
at the plate, you know, over four. He only saw nine pitches. He, you know, he wanted to hit a he wanted to hit a grand slam every time up, I guess, or a double every time up. Um, but whatever, you know, he's he's uh, he's a guy that's going to have a major league career that's uh, not going to be based on his bat. It's going to be based on his glove. But uh, uh, I was just tickled, tickled pink, as they say, to see him in the major leagues today and wearing that uniform. And um, and his family was down and got to see him play. Yeah, a lot of family. He's from Indiana, so a lot of a lot of family there and local local kid basically. Uh, and and like you said, he, he's such a good kid. He's been re- very nice to Red Lake Nation. Appeared here on the on the podcast. And we're gonna try and get him on here again in a few weeks once his life settles down a little bit. You know, it's a little wild for him right now. Yeah, but you know, being on the opening day roster, I I I, I could not be happier for Tucker Barnhart and, and obviously our first spotlight player to to reach the majors. We could not be happier at Red Lake Nation, and, ha- and we're so happy for him and his family, and, and they must be very proud. Yeah. And, and you know, we will not abide any criticism of, uh, of Tucker Barnhart. He's one of Ever. our guys. And, Ever, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and I'm expecting that, expecting a long and, and fun major league career for him. So, but think about that. You know, your your major league debut, your Great American Ballpark, your. Uh, Catching Homer Bailey, who just signed this big long-term contract. You're playing against the team, the team that was in the World Series last year. Uh, golly, it's a wonder that he was able to walk out on the field without, uh, you know, without his knees knocking. Uh, well, so. and, and then and then he has to wait four and a half hours for the game to start. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> your, your major league debut and you got to sit there and, and sit. you're wondering whether they're going to call this game because this is this may be the only game the kid gets to play before Devin's healthy. Right, yeah. And so, so if they'd have rained this game out today, and I said, it might have been to you, I know I said it to someone at work today, I said, you know, as beat up as the Reds are, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if this game got rained out and we played them again, you know, we made it up later. But I bet you Tucker Barnhart didn't feel that way. No, he. I'm sure he wanted to get on the field and take that first pitch from uh, from Homer and get the game started. He wanted uh, to go and, out there if there would have been three feet of snow. <laughs> no doubt. Be sure. Be sure. Next time you talk to him, be sure to talk to him. Ask him about that. Absolutely. About that. You know we will. Well, I will yeah. I'll ask. You, what I want to know is what he did for four and a half hours while he was waiting for the game to start. I, I just see him sitting on the uh, the bench in the dugout, just uh, with, sit, sitting still with his glove on, his equipment on, just ready to go. And his, and his feet and his legs going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when is this game going to start? Please stop right. Yeah. So good luck, Tucker Barnard. We're very happy for you. Very proud of you. Absolutely. Uh, you want to make some predictions? Yeah. Uh, Joel, Joel and I did this a little bit last week, and I made my prediction, and I've sort of been thinking in the meantime about uh, my prediction. and uh, So I'm going to like, give you a chance to say uh, get, make your predictions here, and then I'm going to follow maybe an adjustment on my predictions. I, I don't really – I mean, I, I don't really have individual predictions because, you know, I can say whether I think they'll do better or worse than last year, you know, and we've kind of gone over that. As a team – my plus and minus is like 90. Uh, I think this team, if, if, if they hit and stay reasonably healthy, could win over 90 games, 92, 93, 94. If they struggle, especially early, or get, have, have somebody that they, you know, that they have no depth for, if they lose Votto, Bruce, Phillips, I don't even like saying that, for a, an extended length of time, I, I'm concerned that that it could really go south in a hurry. Um, you know, you wonder how the team will react if the team if the if they start to struggle to have a a, a, a first a first year manager that's never managed anywhere. Um, I, you know, and I hope this is all just my you know my pessimistic attitude about life, um, but. You know, we're three days in, and, and, and I don't see any reason not to believe that we're going to see the 2011-12 Joey Votto and a better Brandon Phillips and, you know, the Todd Frazier that's a little bit improved from his rookie year and, you know, some combination of, of, of decent play out of Ludwig and Heisey and Billy Hamilton will get on at a 315-320 pace and Jay Bruce will be Jay Bruce. I mean, I, I think Jay is what he's, you know, he, he might take a, you know, he might move up, you know, improve a little bit. But I think Jay's probably pretty much what he's going to be. And uh, The exciting thing for me is going to be watching if, you know, if Joe and Johnny Cueto can stay healthy. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be a very good pitcher if he can stay healthy. 
um, Singra seeing what Singrani is, you know, over the course of a long season. Um, like I said, you know, I, I don't really do individual predictions. I just do better or worse. Well, uh, you know, you say pessimism, but you say upside, 94 wins or, uh, you know, 92, 94 wins. Yeah, if, if, if they stay healthy and, and we see the offensive improve, you know, improvements or, 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 or comebacks that, that we, would, we would like to see. And, now, you know, everybody's not going to be better. You know, somebody's going to have the season that you weren't expecting. They're going to, you know, are going to get hurt. Or Zach Cozart's going to be terrible. Or you just hope it's not Billy Hamilton with a, you know, with a 225 on base percentage. Uh, you know, but, or something like that. I, yeah, it's a uh, it's got a chance to be a good team. Yeah, you know, you know there there's something to be hopeful for here. Heck yeah, the, the Marlin the Marlins are three and zero. Man, they're going to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. Something like that. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, uh, and the reason we've had a hard time getting this uh, podcast scheduled completely my fault. While we're up late this week. Um, in terms of posting the podcast, because I I went and I, okay, I'm a University of Virginia graduate, and, and when is University of Virginia ever going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament again? I went and watched them in the Sweet Sixteen, where they lost, but whatever. I know they so, blew up my bracket, man. <laughs> well, I picked them to win the whole thing because I figured, when am I ever going to get a chance to pick UVA as the number one seed? If I don't pick them now, I'll never pick them to win the whole thing. So. Um, so anyway, I, uh, you know, we, I followed Virginia to, to New York to, to watch their Sweet 16 game. We took the kids up and watched a, watched a, spent some time in New York, and that's why we're late getting this up. But, so I, I missed, I got to watch a, a good part of the opening day game, but didn't get to sit with the whole thing. So last night I'm watching game two after all the uh, rain delay, and I'm sitting and watching it, and I'm thinking, man, number one, what I thought was, I'm really happy to be watching baseball right now. Basketball is over for me because Virginia lost. Uh, but I... I got that sort of feeling that I get every spring. It was later coming this year. Just that uh, sort of intense excitement. God, baseball's back. I'm really happy for baseball to be back. And I started thinking, you know, hey, why not be optimistic about this team? There are guys like Todd Frazier, uh, you know, that could be better. Brandon Phillips could improve this year. Uh, I expect better out of Mezzarocco than we got out of the catcher spot last year. We got really good pitching on this team. The bullpen hopefully will be back in, in shape soon. Why not be optimistic? And so I started thinking, you know, this this team could win ninety five games. Yeah, you now and that, Joel were you and Joel were doing the happy dance last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know that's probably over optimistic. Uh, you know, probably this is a this is an eighty five win team as currently constructed. But you know, things could break right, and it's not. You know, hope is not a strategy. I guess hoping that the Reds do well. And that certain players do well is not a strategy. It's realistic, though, to think that some of these guys could have uh, have good seasons and that, the, you know, we've not had a whole lot of health yet, but some guys get healthy very soon. If the Reds can hold their own in April while some guys are hurt, this team could go on a run. Yeah, who knows? The sky's the limit. All you got to do is get in the playoffs and you got a chance to got a chance to be world champ. So there's a lot. You know, I don't know that I'm going to predict 95 wins or – 82 wins at this time. I think probably 86, 85 is. If I had to, if I had to put money on a prediction, I'd probably say 85 wins. But there, we've we suffered through some rough years with this organization. This team has a chance to win 90 plus games. It's not even a stretch to think they can do that. So hey, this is gonna be a this could be a fun season. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching what Brian Price does and how this team performs. I, I think that there are real reasons for optimism and. I'm pretty excited right now, uh, if you can believe it. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's why they play the games. That's why they play the games. I wish we were two and one right now instead of one and two, but uh, you know, uh, that's baseball, I guess. Well, and, and this team is not going to go anywhere. I shouldn't say that. that that's painting too broad a stroke. This team needs to learn how to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. I've had all I can take of the Cardinals. <laughs> Opening day, Molina hit that home run, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, God, I hate him. <laughs> there's, no, there's no one no one in baseball. Obviously. I'd love to have him, but yeah. God, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I, 
that sort of, when the Reds scored three runs in the first inning today, I thought, oh, man, if we can get this win, go 2-1 against St. Louis to start the season, it doesn't get the St. Louis Cardinals monkey off the Reds' back by any stretch of imagination. But, you know, it's, it's a small step in that direction. It's and, better than going one and two against them. Exactly. And you think you got three-run lead with Homer Bailey. You know, we've got a pretty good chance here. So I hate that they, they blew this game today. But, you know, at some point, you're right. I think for them, the Reds to really be what they want to be, they're going to have to get that monkey off their back. The problem is this, that Cardinals organization. I hate them. It's I mean, I hate them with every fiber of my being. That's a well-run organization. Yep. It just it just is. They're they're like and, and I'm a, you're gonna hate this, but they're like uh, Duke. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I thought I couldn't hate St. Louis anymore, but you just you just upped the ante on that one. Because uh. they don't rebuild, they reload. And and they do it year after year and they just seem to find some young guy that they you know that you never heard of. But he comes in in August and hits 345 for the rest of the season with you know five or six home runs and wins four ball games for him. Well, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. This year, Duke did not win the Atlantic Coast Conference. Nope. The University of Virginia did. Duke lost in the ACC Tournament Championship game to the University of Virginia. This year is the Reds' year. Okay. I'm predicting it now. 97 wins in a world championship. That's my prediction. You've done lost your mind, boy. I've lost my mind, but it's spring. Let's have a little hope. How about that? All right. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about, Bill? One thing. I just finished a, a book, and it's an old book, but I want to recommend this book to our to our to our guys that are listening. It's by Larry Durker. Have you read this? The book I haven't of, yet, but it's on my list. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's gotten great reviews. This name of this book is "This Ain't Brain Surgery: How to Win the Pennant Without Losing Your Mind." And it's a it's a quick little read, and it's divided up into little sections. I mean, you you could call it toilet reading if you wanted to, but it's <laughs> no, no 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 that'd be Dusty Baker's book. <laughs> but it's it's funny in spots, and it's well written, and he's a really really smart guy. And it's a really, really good read, and, and I highly recommend it. It was written, I mean, it copyrighted in 2003, so it's about out, out about 10 years. And why this guy never got another job managing in Major League Baseball, I do not understand. Yeah, it baffles me. And he even talks about it in here, that he, you know, in the next couple of years, he was looking for the right opportunity, but he never really was made, another offer was never made to him, and it's, it's mind-boggling. Take, a, take a look at his record out there. And see how well he did managing the Houston Astros, and you'll wonder why he never got another managing job. Also, well, we we talk about what we hope for Brian Price, which is that he's open minded to some some advanced concepts, and he's showing some good signs of that. Yeah, Durker was ahead of the curve on all that. Durker was very open. Yep. Uh, to the same sort of the sabermetric view, I guess is the way a simple way to put it. But yeah, he and, and there's a lot of that in the book on why he feels the way he does and and, and thinks about things, and it, it's it's a I just really, it's the best baseball book I've read in a while. Yeah, I'll have to check that. It's been on my list for a long time, and I just haven't gotten around to it. But, I, yeah, I did definitely have a high opinion of Larry Durker. Uh, you also recommend Ball Four by Jim Bowden, right? That's my, actually, I, this is the first spring training in a long time that I did not read Ball Four. I usually reread it every spring training, and I just didn't get to it this year. But that is, to me, is the best baseball book ever written. It's to this day, and Durker's in that book, too. Um, yeah, and, for, and many of the people of his old teammates from from uh, Ball Four, or he talks about in his book here, especially there's a lot in this new in this brain surgery book about Doug Rader. Um, well, but Ball Four is is in my opinion the best baseball book that I've ever read. Yeah, for many years you sort of got me into that. Every spring, read that book. It yeah. really gets you ready for baseball. Uh, just laugh out loud funny every time you read it. Absolutely. Yeah, no matter how many times you read it, you'll, you'll come up to something and you'll know it's coming and it still makes you laugh. Absolutely. So I need to reread that. I haven't read that in a couple years now. Um, all right, anything else you got for us, Bill? That's it. We just got to go into New York now and let's win some ball games. Got to win some ball games. name of the game. Um, yeah, happy to talk to you again. Uh, we always have a good time on here. And... Uh, I'll, I'll advise everyone, I ask you to please go check out RedLegNation.com, uh, which is uh, where we uh, are talking about the Reds every day. I'll ask you to go to RedLegNationRadio.com, just uh, launched a new website there, for, strictly for the podcast, and uh, 
follow Bill at Bill Redleg in. Follow me if you want to. I'm not sure why you'd want to. Uh, at Dotson C, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. Uh, you can follow our other host, Joel Luckup, at uh, J-L-U-C-K-H-A-U-P-T. Uh, and, and Joel, when you listen to this, go follow Bill. Come on. This is crazy. And, and if uh, you want and, and you'll, if you want to, the most informational and educational uh, tweets come from Joel. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He, he'll teach you a thing or two about baseball. Uh, follow us at Red Lake Nation on Twitter. Uh, enough about Twitter. Follow us on Facebook as well. Go to RedLegNation.com. Go to RedLegNationRadio.com. What I would ask you to do is go subscribe to the podcast. You know, any number of podcast pro- programs will automatically deliver the podcast to your phone, to your iPod, to your computer, and when it, whenever it's uploaded. You uh, subscribe via iTunes. You can subscribe uh, via RSS feed. Uh, those feeds are all at RedLegNationRadio.com where you can... Uh, Subscribe, follow us every week because we're trying to grow this community. Uh, we're over 100 episodes now and really having a lot of fun with it. And it, it's only so much, uh, only fun if, if someone's listening to us, I guess, and providing some feedback. So send us some, send us some tweets uh, at us. Uh, you can email us at, uh, as well at the addresses on radio.com. Bill, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll see you again very soon uh, on the podcast. Have some. You know, you're distinguished, so have some more distinguished comments for us next time. How about that? I'll, I'll, if I think of one, I'll write it down. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll count on that. <laughs> Guys, appreciate you listening to us. you got a lot of options for entertainment. Don't know why you downloaded the, this podcast. Appreciate you doing it. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone.